together today to hear the Word of God. The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. It's the 28th chapter, the 16th verse through the 20th verse. Hear these words. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ever-equipping God, as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds that rest in our hearts that we might bear fruit for you here on earth. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we as your people have ears that hear. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Have you ever had a great idea? Or have you ever thought you had a great idea? I remember a time in my young ministry when I'd just become a senior minister and I had this great idea. You know, the church is struggling or has been for several years with the, the Christian education system. And I thought, you know what? We're just going to revamp ours. It was a church that had five or six adult classes that were doing well and a couple of youth classes that were doing okay. And I thought, we can just revamp all this and we'll get more people. We'll make it a curriculum-based Sunday school class. And every six weeks, we'll change the topics. And people can rotate from class to class, and, and they'll enjoy going to different classes and learning different things. You want to talk about killing a program. <laughs> I worked for weeks. I got the board on. I got everybody on board, and it happened, and it came six weeks' time for people to change. It didn't happen. It died. And I admit that I had overseen something in all of the planning. I hadn't, I hadn't really, I guess I had made a mistake, even now, all these years later, it's hard for me to say I made a mistake. But maybe we got it wrong. Maybe I got it wrong when I was thinking about the education of the Christian community. Because there was a Bible aspect in that that I didn't quite understand. But you know, Jesus understands. Because he's speaking to his disciples where they met him on Matthew's proverbial mountain. I love this ending because Matthew sends him where? To the holy ground of Jesus, the proverbial mountain. Right? Meet me at the mountain. When we talk about our experiences with Jesus, we're always on a mountain, right? We're on the mountain. So he sends the disciples to the mountain, and Jesus says this to them. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them what I have commanded you. 
and know that I am with you always. Jesus set for us what it looks like to be a community of disciples. Jesus set for us what it means to be in relationship with one another. We're to go and tell the world about Jesus. Go and share the message of grace and the sharing the message of forgiveness, the message of the cross, the resurrection with all of the world and make disciples of all nations. For some churches and for some Christian communities, all we do is we go. You see, there's three powerful verbs in that, in that statement, in the Great Commission. We're to go, we're to make, and we're to teach. And as a church, I wonder if we're going good. I wonder in this day and time if we're going for the right reasons. I wonder if we're even going at all, especially in a time of quarantine. Are we going into the world? How are we going into the world? Or maybe we've led our youth group, we've taught our Sunday school class, we've served as elder, we've served as deacon, we've been on chairman of the board, we've, we've done all of those positions within the church, we've been in the church for 85 years, and we're going to sit. That's not what the Great Commission says to us. The Great Commission says to us that we, the people of God, need to go into the world and encounter the people we run into. Go into the world and make disciples of brothers and sisters who look just like me. Of brothers and sisters with long hair and sandals. Of brothers and sisters who live in brick houses. Of brothers and sisters in my country who, wear, who drive pickup trucks. Of brothers and sisters who ride horses. Of brothers and sisters who live in penthouses in big cities. I'm only supposed to minister to those people. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, we the people of God are supposed to go into the world and make disciples of every person we encounter. In spite of if that person looks like us, smells like us, breathes like us, lives like us, talks like us, or understands like us. We are the representative of the Christ unto the world. First and foremost, doesn't matter what else you do in the world. Doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter your lifestyle. What it matters is that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you believe that, then you claim to be a disciple. And Jesus says you're to go into the world and make disciples. Don't just lead somebody to the foot of the cross and help them understand their salvation. So many times I think we as church, we focus so much on the numbers. How many people have we saved this week? How many people, what is our rate of salvation versus our rate of attendance? We get caught up in all the minutia of numbers and all the minutia of the definition of success. Jesus didn't say anything about that. He said, go into the world, love all people. That means everybody. And make disciples of them. Make disciples of them. What I discovered in my mistake in this early church, in my early ministry, was people feel comfortable in their communities that they've established. And they don't want to get out of their communities that they've established. They have them. 
every Sunday Sunday school class. And then they have the happy timers or the good timers or the well-doers or the, I can go on with the names. And you find your place and you sit in it and you're comfortable there. I get it. We've established community. But it's not what the Great Commission says. It doesn't say go to Sunday school, find your people that you like, that you look like, that you feel comfortable with, and sit down and stay there. It says get fueled up there. Because you're fixing to go on a rocket trip. You're fixing to go out into the world. And you're going to walk down the street where you see somebody that doesn't look like you that needs a ride somewhere. You're going to see somebody who has a different color skin that needs help. You're going to see somebody that lives a different lifestyle that needs a friend. You're going to see somebody that needs help with their finances. What speaks louder? Than for us to come to church and understand what we learn in church, than for us to take it into the world and live out the verbs of the Great Commission. We're not only supposed to go into the world, which not all of us do that very well. We're supposed to make, make. How many of you are craftspeople? Quilters? Sewers, clothes makers, woodsmen, welders. I mean, I can go on. How many of you do that? If you do that, you know what it means to take raw material and follow a plan and put it together and make something beautiful out of it. I always hold a block of wood and I look at it and I wonder what's going to come out of it. It's a raw block of wood. It's usually an inch and a half by an inch and a half by 18 inches long. And I wonder, God, what are we making out of this? What's this particular piece of archery equipment going to look like? What's the grain going to be revealed to me? You see, it takes sanding and filing in my special craft. It, it takes time that I work with my hands. And when working with my hands as I make that product... I get to know the grain of the wood. I get to know the light spots and the dark spots. I get to know where the voids are and where the voids aren't. Once in a while, I'll be surprised by a knot in the middle of the block. And I get challenged by meeting all of those different things while I'm creating, while I'm making. It's what we, the people of God, do as we go into the world and we want to make disciples. We encounter people, and as we encounter people, we have to decide if we're going to engage those people. Because when we engage those people, we start to see who they are. And some of them have knot holes in the middle of their blocks. And some of them's grain doesn't run straight. And some of them's grain is light and then dark and it'll mess everything up. And some of them there's a crack or two that need to be filled. And that's why God's put us in their lives. Is that we can help fix, help shape, help mold, help create disciples. Because God's calling you to take your own unique gifts and share in your own unique situations and develop people beyond their salvation. If the church stops at salvation, we've lost the mission of the church. The mission of the church is that all people will love one another and come to, come to understand our great creator who created us. But if we 
stop at salvation, just introducing them to God and God's grace, we've lost the whole picture of the Great Commission. And then not only are we supposed to make something, we have to get up and go, and then God wants us to make. How do we make disciples in this world? We teach. It's the greatest instrument God created in each of us. Now, not all of us are classroom teachers. Not all of us teach specially gifted people. But we all teach. Every day when you go somewhere and when you encounter people, you teach them who God is by your behaviors, by your words, by your silence. You teach them who God is. I don't know about you, but there are some teachers in my life I'll never forget. You have one of those? I was in fifth grade. Geography. And I had this lady, and she was a kind of large lady. But she was wonderful. One of the best teachers I've ever experienced in all of my educational career. And we were wrestling as a church. I mean, as a classroom. We were wrestling, can you imagine? 25, 30 of us knock-headed kids trying to understand which way is north and which way is south and which way is east and which way is west. And I think finally our teacher got frustrated with us. And we knew that when our teacher stood up, we were in trouble. Because she was a rather large lady. And when she stood up, you noticed when she stood up. And it made an impression on, impression on you as a, a fifth grade child. And all of a sudden, my teacher put her hands on her desk and she stood up and everybody in the classroom got quiet. Because we were struggling. She was asking us which way was north and we couldn't figure out as a class which way was north. And then she proceeded to teach us in the most valuable way I've ever experienced in my life. She pushed her chair back. She sat on the edge of her desk. She got on her hands and knees on the top of her desk. And then she stood up on her desk. Did I say she was a rather large woman? Every fifth grader in the class had eyes this big. The desk was doing this. And my teacher stood there and she said, just in case you need a reminder, this way is north, this way is west, this way is east. And she turned around and said, this way, and the desk shook, is south. And I just got it all right. Because I've never forgotten that lesson in my life. Just think, if we were the people of God that God wants us to be, and we could go into the world, and we could make disciples, and we could teach them with our love that is so outstanding that they'll never forget the lesson. We're in a critical time where we have a great chance 
to move the mission of the gospel forward in this world. Our nation is at unrest. Humanity is at unrest. There are protests across this nation because we can't see the beauty of God's creation. I listened to a young 20-year-old man. He said this. Your silence, it tells. Your silence, it yells. Church, are we silent? Are we silent about the Great Commission? The commission that's full of verbs? That tells us to go and to make and to teach? Are we silent in the world? And are we so silent that our silence not only tells, but it yells to the world that we don't care about anybody except when they look like us and they feel like us and they talk like us and they dress like us and they come to our church? That's not the mission of the gospel. That's not the great co-mission that God has laid upon us. Go into the world and make disciples where? Of all nations. Do you know what that means? All peoples. All peoples. Go and love people so much that they remember the way you love them. And teach them to love others. Teach them. Let your lesson be so great they'll never forget it. I can go anywhere in the world and I see my fifth grade teacher in my head and I can find the direction of north, south, east, and west. Because she loved us so much to teach us what that direction was. What would it be like if we as the church, no matter where we go, we love one another so much that people can't forget the love they experienced through this body of Christ. Through the individual of Christ. What would it be like if we sat down long enough, shut our mouths, and listened to those who are hurting and let them teach us how to be better disciples. God wants to move in a great way. And God has a great vehicle to move with. Do you know who it is? Do you know what it is? It's disciples of Christ. Not the denomination, but the individuals of people. Me, you, your brother, your sister. Those who claim to know Jesus, it's our turn to make a difference in this world. Charles Spurgeon says this, you don't really know Jesus unless you're living Jesus with others. Did you hear that? It's another verb. Living Jesus with others. You don't really know Jesus unless you're living Jesus with others. Go into the world. Make disciples of all nations. Don't miss an opportunity. And teach. Give that lesson that people can't forget. Be there in that intimate moment. Shut your mouth long enough to hear their hearts. And move where the Holy Spirit moves you. And you want to know why? You want to know why? Because sure, I am with you until the end of time. Jesus 
would not let his disciples go into the world alone. Because he is going to be with them. When I confessed after six or twelve weeks that the great idea of the young preacher was completely wrong, people flocked back to their Sunday school classes. Because their community was strong. Because they loved one another. Because they saw in one another the Christ. And it enabled them to go out into the world and be disciples. Because they understood that God was with them. When God says God is with us, it does not always mean we're right. But it means that God is faithful. Because God will not abandon us in our darkest moments of life. And God will celebrate with us in our greatest moments of life. So we have the challenge of the Great Commission. To go out into the world. And do what is right. Do what is right. To teach the commandments. That Jesus taught us. To love one another. As we. Have been loved by God. Let us go, let us make, and let us teach, because we know God is with us. Amen.
Clarks once said, you don't have to be fearful about what you're doing when you know it's right. We come to this place today knowing what we're doing is right. We're coming to where God has called us. We're encountering God. We're remembering how much God loves us. And the reason we're doing it is so that we can go into the world and we can make a difference in the world. And we can help fulfill the Great Commission. Because Jesus set an example with his disciples that night when we met with him in the upper room. He took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, Take and eat, for this is my body which will be given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as the meal was ending, he took the cup. Once again, he gave thanks to our God in heaven, and he passed the cup to his disciples. And he said to them, Take all of you and drink from this, for this is the cup of the new covenant. It shall be poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we experience the presence of the living Christ anew in our lives. Let us pray. Most wonderful and loving God, you who have called us to be your children, you who have called us to love as you love, as we break the bread today, forgive us. We have been silent. We have not loved our neighbor. But we want to be better. We want to make disciples. We want people to know how much you love them. So as we drink the cup, redeem us. Make us new. Give us new ears, new eyes, and a new heart. So that we can go into this world loving others as you have loved us. Bless these elements and make them holy wherever we are. And join us as your body of Christ as we partake. For we pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. The table of the Lord is set. Won't you please partake?